Get unfiltered lessons from our leaders at AHF as we uncover real, raw stories of where we came from and where we are going. Join us for an unscripted look at the connections our senior leadership have to our mission, core values, and hot initiatives. AHF is the world's largest HIV AIDS service organization operating in 45 countries globally, 16 states domestically, including DC and Puerto Rico. Our mission is to provide cutting edge medicine and advocacy, regardless of ability to pay. Hello, and welcome to the After Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hogan, serving as your liaison to take you through this journey to learn more about AIDS Healthcare Foundation. Before we start the show, please make sure to remember to check out the show notes so you can follow along. Now, let's get started. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the After Hours Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lauren Hogan, and today we are going to be discussing a very important topic, and I have to say I'm very happy that we are addressing this to provide more information to the community at large. Um, So first, I want to introduce our guests. Um, Vahi, I'm going to go with you first. So my name is Vahe Lepetrian. I am an advanced practice pharmacist at our um, Hollywood flagship pharmacy. Maxi? Hi, um, my name is Maxi Savakic. I am the Western Regional Director of Pharmacy Operations. Um, I essentially oversee all of the uh, pharmacy operations within HF Pharmacy, um, serviced out of California, Washington State, and Nevada. So today we're going to be talking about the opioid epidemic and basically what AHF is doing to combat this. Um, it's progressively gotten worse. Um, we were also seeing that it was affecting some of the clients that we serve. So we realized that we needed to do something to make sure that we were you know, helping the community. Um, so first question is just how did this initiative begin? What was kind of like the backstory behind it? I know I gave a little bit, but if you guys could kind of delve more into that, that would be appreciated. So it actually just started off as a, a text from me to Maxi. Uh, it was a Saturday afternoon and I was at home and, and just kind of thinking about how it's getting progressively worse, as you mentioned, and that I wasn't um, satisfied with what we were doing. I, I wanted to do more. So I texted Maxi and I asked, um, can we provide fentanyl test strips to all of our patients? And she was super supportive right from the get-go. And she's like, yeah, give me some info and we'll make this happen. And that's pretty much how this whole initiative started. And eventually we uh, went on into Narcan as well. Yeah. And um, we got a lot of buzz about it in the beginning. Um, Impulse was very involved. Um, You know, we worked very closely with Jose Ramos, who's our national sales director. So it was honestly quite incredible to see how one small idea brought so many people in And so many people shared the same values as we did from all, you know, all across the different departments. Um, We saw it with sales. We saw it with public health. We saw it with advocacy, managed care. So we had just, you know, a lot of interest. And that really fueled both Vahe and me to see what else we can do. So it wasn't just about, you know, providing fentanyl test strips and Narcan to the community. It, It became something so much bigger and I think that that really got us involved um, a lot more with the community. And we started, you know, bringing it to community events. Um, Vahe had, a, you know, a, I think the, the first event, if you want to tell everyone about it, was in San Diego, Vahe. 
Yeah, so um, soon after we had the fentanyl test strips and the Narcan, I went down to San Diego Pride and I um, was at two different events there. One of them was in conjunction with Impulse. And um, that day, uh, that was the very first event that I did. And we were giving out fentanyl test strips and we gave them out to a few of the attendees. And a few hours later, they came back to our booth, two people and said that they had tested their substances for fentanyl and it um, came out positive and they threw it away. So just immediately, the very first event, it, it, I was just blown away that, oh my gosh, this is already making a difference. Um, and then a couple of days later, I was at San Diego Pride. I had taken 300 units of Narcan with me thinking, oh, this will be plenty for um, both Saturday and Sunday. And that's all that fit in my car. So I couldn't even take any more if I wanted to. By um, before the end of day Saturday, they were already all gone. There's such a huge demand for Narcan and fentanyl test strips. And it feels so good to be able to meet this really big need of our community. So how common is opioid dependence in the communities that we serve? So... About 16 million Americans each year abuse prescription drugs. About 57% of those misuse prescription opioids. So that is a huge percentage. And even in the LGBTQ plus community, LGBTQ plus adults are twice as likely than their heterosexual counterparts to use any sort of illicit drugs. And they're twice as likely to have substance abuse disorder. So these are the communities that we at AHF primarily service and help. So this is a big need, especially amongst, you know, the patients that we see at our pharmacies. Um, you know, Vahe, I know, handles a lot of you know, mental health, substance abuse. We see a lot of that come through in our Hollywood communities. So there's a very big need for this. And uh, we're very proud to be able to start tackling this issue, you know, in-house within AHF so that we can broaden and bring it to wherever it is needed. Um, to add to that, um, in the last year, over 100,000 people uh, died from drug overdose in the United States alone. And uh, three out of four of those were because of opioid overdose. So these numbers are absolutely alarming and it's been getting worse year after year, which is why it's so important to tackle this head on. So I wanna ask, um, for somebody who may not know, um, what is an opioid one? And then part two of that is what does an opioid overdose potentially look like for people now? Yeah, so opioids are a class of medications or uh, substances that are related to the um, opium poppy plant. And basically what they do is they block your brain from sending pain signals to the rest of your body. Um, what an opioid overdose looks like is going to be shallow breathing or no breathing, or you might hear faint gurgling sounds. Um, you'll have uh, blue lips, blue nail beds, which signify a lack of oxygenation, um, and um, the patient will be unresponsive. So you'll yell out their name, no response, or you can do a sternum rub with your knuckles, and um, if they're unresponsive, then chances are they're experiencing an overdose. Max, do you want to add anything? Yeah, I think um, one more thing to note would be that if we're looking at the population that we service at AHF, 
Um, we do have patients who are at a higher risk of contracting HIV to, due to IV drug use. So um, illicit opioids such as heroin are commonly injected intravenously. Um, so this is something for us as you know, pharmacists and clinicians that we have to be mindful that you know, th this is a risk and this is something that we have to make sure that we can educate our patients on. One more distinction that I'd like to mention is that um, fentanyl, which we talk about so often, um, there's actually pharmaceutically manufactured fentanyl and it does have a place in therapy. Like if someone is, you know, at end of life or experiencing cancer, then fentanyl would be very appropriate. But the fentanyl that is popping up and causing all of these um, overdoses and deaths for the majority of them is illicitly manufactured fentanyl. So it's important to make that distinction. People are making this in their homes or wherever else and lacing it in, in other substances. So um, it, it's just important to know the difference that um, there's pharmaceutically manufactured fentanyl, um, which you can get with a prescription uh, for very severe pain cases. And then uh, the fentanyl that we're talking about here is made illegally. And with that being said, too, I kind of want to go back to the Narcan and um, fentanyl strips. So how do people access this? Like, Baha, you said you went to San Diego Pride and there was such a high demand for it. So within our organization, if somebody is seeking these fentanyl strips or they want to get Narcan, what's the accessibility like and how are we distributing them? That's a great question. So um, Fentanyl test strips is how this all started, as we mentioned, and I did a Google search for them and they are so difficult to find. And I was shocked. I mean, because if you look at the CDC, FDA um, and other organizations that are combating uh, opioid overdose, a lot of them recognize the importance of fentanyl test strips as a tool in our fight against the opioid um, epidemic but then they're so hard to find. Um, so we actually uh, contracted with a manufacturer uh, based in Canada, and um, now they're available on AHF Marketplace for any AHF employee or department to order. Um, AHF pharmacies are stocking them across the nation, and uh, we updated the policy and procedure so that AHF pharmacy patients can receive 10 free strips per month um, and if they're not an AHF pharmacy patient, then we're selling them um, at our cost of $1 per strips. And anytime we participate in events, we, um, we just give them out. Um, and uh, as far as Narcan goes, Narcan is a prescription medication. So um, you do need a prescription for it. However, because this uh, opioid epidemic has um, grown so out of control, Many states have signed legislation that circumvents the uh, traditional process of receiving a prescription medication. So for example, here in California, pharmacists can prescribe for it. And um, we even have a program that I signed AHF up for that any AHF employee, as long as they receive training in California, can distribute Narcan. So um, they're really eliminating the barriers uh, to get this into the hands of people that need it the most. And many states have similar programs. And Maxi and I are uh, working with colleagues across the nation to uh, develop the opioid overdose uh, prevention program nationwide. 
Max, you want to add anything? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the biggest things is, you know, the end goal here, which is fighting against the opioid epidemic. So I think for us, uh, getting grants, we have a grant with the Naloxone Distribution Project in California, uh, and these grants provide us with completely free units of Narcan, um, which is excellent because that's where we find the partnerships that we can do with, you know, Impulse or other community service leaders, and we can just hand them out completely for free. So um, I think I think it's very important that we spread this out to as many states as we can, um, especially the ones where pharmacists themselves can have an impact, uh, because I really think that pharmacists being that end line or end of the line for patient care, that's where we're going to make the biggest impact. So it's very important that all of our pharmacists are, you know, on top of this, we're educated, and that's the goal of the program that we've developed. So Maxie, you actually just really alluded to my next question once again. <laughs> um, and that it, my, my question to you was, what role does an AHF pharmacist play in fighting the opioid de- epidemic? And you kind of talked about that a little bit, but maybe just specify the importance of what this role is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so pharmacists, um, you know, we're, we're the drug experts. So we understand drug-drug interactions. Um, we thoroughly check uh, when opioids are prescribed, especially in conjunction with certain HIV regimens. Uh, we're checking for appropri- appropriateness of drug therapy. Um, we're making sure that we are, you know, doing the community a favor when it comes to any narcotics or opioid prescriptions. So every state has a prescription drug monitoring program, PDMP, um, where we have to upload um, any opioid containing prescriptions and we're essentially ensuring safe use of prescription opioids. So that's kind of the, um, the standard part of it. But then there's also the education part of it. So pharmacists are in the front line. We are essentially the last arguably the last person that a patient talks to before they leave the clinic, before they leave the door. So that is where we can have the biggest impact in making sure that anybody who gets any sort of a prescription opioid is using it correctly and safely. And on top of that, understands what they're taking. Sometimes it is needed to take it regularly, but other times, you know, it's really just something that's temporary. And it's up to us as the clinicians who see the patient to make sure that they are using it as appropriately as possible. So um, that is where pharmacists can really get involved with the dispensing and with any consultations that are surrounding these treatments. So we are pretty much at time. It goes by so fast. And I think this is such an important (laughs) conversation. But I do want to ask, too, it's kind of a two-part question. One is that those who may be suffering from opioid um, dependency, um, what can you do to help them? I know, like, you know, in the past when, you know, when it comes to those who use needles and HIV, we provide, you know, fresh needles for them. What can we do for those who might be experiencing opioid dependency? And second part to that is how can people get involved? So when it comes to people that are struggling with opioid use disorder, um, the best thing we can do is just provide consistent support. It's very challenging because any um, 
big decisions that are made that impact the person's life have to be made by the person themselves. No matter how badly we want it, no matter how much we try to reason with them or um, how much love and support we provide, if they don't want to make any changes, unfortunately, no changes are going to be made. So I think our best um, mode of action is to continue just to provide consistent support make sure that they have the um, knowledge around everything, make sure that they have Narcan at home and their loved ones know how to use it. And uh, just to be um, a source of love and support. And then how can people get involved to help with this epidemic that we're currently experiencing? So um, this has been, I mean, the response to this has been so incredible. People from so many different departments have expressed interest and just they've dived in with us. And it's been such a beautiful, organic, grassroots campaign that was developed. And now it's gotten so big that um, we, we need to enlist even more people to keep this thing going. So um, for those that live in California, um, definitely get certified so that you can dis distribute um, Narcan. Um, email me and I'll, I'll walk you through how to do that. Um, and for those in other states, look at what um, laws that your states allow. And uh, this is something that's really growing nationwide in terms of legislation. And they're really removing the barriers to um, access Narcan. So find out what is possible in your state and take the lead, make it happen. If it's, um, I love the saying, if, it, if it's to be, it's up to me. So um, adopt that attitude and let's, let's just keep this going. Maxie? Yeah, and, and another thing is all of our HF pharmacies have access to get fentanyl test strips and Narcan. So if you are looking to get more involved, connect with your local pharmacy manager and we can make it happen. We have marketing materials available that look incredible. Shout out to marketing. Um, we have <laughs> we have these really lovely and very to the point educational pamphlets that we worked on with our strategic response team that are just, you know, above creative. And I think it really shows how much love and dedication we're pouring into this because we've very quickly come together to, you know, make the promotional material, make them make everything available, get the grants so that we can really roll this out and be ready. So if you're interested in ever hosting an event in your region, um, we do actually have an, an, an email that comes directly to us. It's preventoverdose at aidshealth.org. If you email that email, we'll be able to set you guys up with anything that you need. Um, we can get you access to more supply. Um, we can get you people to help for your community events. Um, we also welcome ideas. So if you can think of, you know, any interesting or incredible idea that you really want to try to implement, bring them to us. We'll make it happen. And if it's successful, we'll do it everywhere. Because at the end of the day, the goal is to fight the fight against the opioid epidemic. And that is really where HF is starting to make a difference. And also, um, all of uh, the information that we have about this program is available on our website that um, our lovely marketing team created for us. It is www.prevent-overdose.com. 
Well, I have to say thank you to the both of you for really leading the charge on this and understanding what the community needed and just making it happen so quickly. Um, I'm glad that it's successful and I'm just happy that we're continuing to serve the community at large. So thank you guys so much for the work that you're doing. It's quite amazing. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for having us. So thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please subscribe, share it with your friends, like, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Follow us on Instagram at After Hours and see you next time.